You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Pru. Good morning, Andre. It is just too damn early, and the weather outside is frightful. I know. I love that white, fluffy snow, but I think I'm one of the few people that do. I don't mind snow as long as I don't have to drive in it or walk in it oh, or yeah, you play in car it. People. Uh, I'm Andre Pru from underwinerview.ca. And I'm Michael Pingus from MichaelPingusWineReview.com. And we are recording this podcast at 6 a.m. in the middle of December. Yeah, and it is the middle of December. That is correct. And there are very few things that would get me out of bed at this time of morning. What's her name, Andre? <laughs> um, oh, her name is she kicking you out? Her name is Champagne, Michael. Her name is Champagne. Oh, all right. So I thought you were out, I thought you were out carousing last night. Yo, yeah. No, I'm I'm pretty bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. You're the one who actually sounds a little tired, but I mean, I was I was always under the impression that you're ready to go at 5 a.m. Oh, I'm ready to go at 5 a.m., but that's another story. <laughs> I'm no Donald Trump, but So, um what we have lined up is something very special for this podcast cuz as people know, we did the uh, debate on champagne flutes about a year ago. And this past September, I had a chance to visit Francia Corta, and I'm holding in my hand right now a tulip-shaped glass, which I felt kind of muddied the waters in terms of our our um, sparkling wine debate because it's not quite a flute, it's not quite a white wine glass, so it's got the the pointed tip that helps uh, reduce the contact with uh, the surface contact and and keep the uh, wines fizzy. And a little bit of a wider, sort of slightly tapered opening to um, give the wine that little bit of uh, access to oxygen, exposure to oxygen to help uh, unlock the aromas of it. And it it just got me thinking again that maybe it's time to revisit this. And then there was there was I just want to I just want to pipe in here for a quick second because we're not in the same room. No, we're not. I knew. I knew you started drinking earlier than I did, as I mean in the day, but I didn't know at six AM you were already already at it. Well, the glass this is, is empty. A pro- this is a problem you should look into. The glass is empty. The glass is empty. Oh. And I, I, as much oh. as we talk about this, I think this it's this is one of the one of the moments where I'll say always drink responsibly and six AM in the morning, unless you're still going from the night before, is a little too early to open up a bottle of wine. That's not responsibility. <laughs> Um, so the, the, the second part that made me want to revisit this was the uh, CEO of Krug came out and said that if you're still drinking champagne out of a flute, it's like going to a concert wearing earplugs, which I believe was maybe not in those exact words, the crux of my argument from last year. If you want, if you want to believe that's true, Andre, go right ahead. So, but you you are playing dirty pool this morning. I am playing dirty pool this morning. I reached out to Krug, and uh, I'm very pleased to say that uh, we are joined by um, Olivier Krug. That's dr- who you pull out of your hat, Olivier Krug. The not yes, if you notice by his last name, he's very involved in the business, and he is actually the director of the Krug Champagne House. I can't believe you bring out Olivier Krug. Prepare. That's like if I brought out Gerald Flute. Well, prepare to suck it, Michael. 
It's uh, not often that we really repeat topics on uh, on this podcast here, but uh, something happened earlier this year when uh, the CEO of the Krug Champagne House said that using a champagne flute is like going to a concert wearing earplugs. And, <laughs> and Michael Pincus and I have uh, had this debate before, and he was a staunch defender of the champagne flute. And when I saw this piece, I thought it was important for us to bring the correct information to the masses because Michael is usually too stubborn to admit he's wrong. So we are joined I'm by not wrong this time. I'm not wrong. Oh, you're you're completely wrong, but it's okay. I've got I've I've brought in a, a, a pinch hitter to defend my argument. So we're uh, being joined by Olivier Krug, uh, live on the line from Champagne. He is the director of the Krug Champagne House. So yes, that that Krug. Uh, thank you very much for joining us, Olivier. Good morning. Good morning, Olivier. I'm sorry that Andre had to drag you into it is because he can't debate properly but uh, it's lovely to talk to you that's what i understood already <laughs> <laughs> i mean we should uh kick it off and i'll let olivier give us a, a, a start here so uh please tell us why why is it time for people to ditch their champagne flutes it is not time it has always been time uh for a great champagne uh, uh for as long as I can remember, when I was a little kid, when my uh, grandfather was giving me a few drops of crook from his glass, I cannot remember ever uh, receiving crook from a flute. So uh, proper families in champagne, proper champagne lovers have never ever had great champagnes in flute. And, what, you. and what type of glasses do you use in champagne? Uh, at um, at Krug, we we have our own glasses, which have been designed by uh, Eric Lebel, our cellar master, uh, with uh, with the help of uh, Riddle. It took uh, it was a very very long process. We tested a dozen of glasses uh, offered by Riddle, and finally we ended with uh, our own uh, mock-up. And we have a glass which we call the Joseph as um, a tribute to Joseph Krug, who was my great-great-great-grandfather, the man who started Krug. So we have our own glasses. But those people who don't have uh, the, the Joseph glasses uh, can uh, very easily use the white Chardonnay glasses, and they are perfect for great champions. And uh, just like... You're saying... Just... Wait, 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 wait. Hang on, hang on. Wait, Andre. Okay, we gotta Hold on. we got to describe the glasses for the people before you get your two cents in. So uh, the glasses, they actually look like they are more shaped like a tulip with uh, like a sharp point at the bottom. Is that correct? I would say it's even larger than a tulip, but then it depends on, it depends on the champagne you are, you are drinking. But uh, a great champagne is full of um, richness. There's probably no uh, wine in the world with more versatility. And this is the reason why you don't need to be an expert to enjoy a great champagne because champagne talks to your senses. You don't have to look for things that you have encountered once in another life. Champagne is like a, a great music. But you cannot play a great music um, in the middle of the street uh, full of uh, people shopping for Christmas. You need a proper space. And this is exactly the same for a great, um, a great champagne. 
So great champagne needs to be served in a proper glass, but also great champagne cannot be served too cold. Okay, Michael, you can you can talk. Well, I have, I have I have got all kinds of, of I don't know if they're questions or just comments to make. I would think that a uh, that a um, uh, that a Chardonnay glass with its big bowl of Olivier, with all due respect, would be way too large. Most the, the, the reason that people drink champagne or any sparkling wine, for that matter, uh, is for the bubbles. And if you pour it into a um, Chardonnay glass or a large white wine glass, then you're just going to lose those bubbles very quickly. How do you how do you bring that together to tell people, you know what? I know we put bubbles in here, but don't worry about them. They're not important. That's what I, that's what I think is, you're saying here. This is a very good point. This is a very good point, and I will tell you why um, I don't fully agree with you. Because uh, champagne is not any sparkling wine. Champagne is less than, I don't even have the figures myself, but I, I believe champagne is less than 10% of the sparkling wines worldwide. So it's it's a it's a it's a small part of it. Uh, most champagnes are known as great champagne. The way they are made is very very different because the bubbles have not been pushed in the wine, like um, a soda. The bubbles were born with the wine. Um, the aging is very very long because even um, the the cheapest uh, champagne in the market that you don't find in Canada, you find in some cheap supermarkets in France. And I'm not a specialist. Even those. Uh, low, lowest range champagnes have been aged at least 15 months. When you drink one of these grand marks, great names that you, you know all over the world, you know you always have something which is between three and four years. When you drink a bottle of Kruger, you have sometimes 10, 12 years of aging. So imagine these bubbles. Not only they were born in the wine, but they had 12 years to dissolve themselves, to merge with the wines. I'm not a scientific myself, but if um, if I was here with you, with uh, Eric Leben as a cellar master, he would tell you what the bubbles are all about. And he has a very nice expression. He says in French, les bulles sont l'ascenseur des arômes. The bubbles are the lift to the aromas. And it is proven technically that um, the bubbles carry the aromas. So the longer this in the wine because of a long aging, because of the exchanges with the dead yeast. The longer they stay in the bottle, the smallest will be the bubbles, and the longest will be the release process from your glass to your nose, where the pleasure is met. And this is why a great glass uh, is mandatory for a great champagne, because a great champagne is not a white wine with gas that disappears in a few seconds, a great champagne is, is, uh, is, is actually a sparkling wine where the bubbles are completely uh, part of the experience. They are not the enemies, they are the best friends because they carry the aroma. So you're saying that the bubbles carry the aromas. I'm correct? I yes, of course. Heard that correctly? Yes. Okay, so there you go. This is why the champagne flute, in my opinion, is the proper vessel because it's tapered, it's got a like a ch chimney and allows those bubbles to really uh, rise to the top. And then if, if what we're looking for is the aromas based on the bubbles, when they hit the surface, they pop. And then we smell the aromas based on the, the bubbliness of the wine, then the flute to me would still be your better vessel. As it chimneys or it brings the bubbles up and allows you to smell into the glass and funnel 
So that we are not we are we are not talking we are not talking about the same champagne. Uh, uh, I was I was saying we we are not talking about the same champagne then. There we go. He's saying you're drinking bad wine. It, take, it, it takes it takes 25 years to um, to craft a bottle of um, of crook. 25 years to um, to offer what some people may call the fullest expression of champagne, um, a champagne that um, one of the world um, top sommelier once called me as the the sip of wine that gives him the fullest expression of what one can offer in all his life. So this generosity cannot be kept in a little corridor. And if you put it in a little corridor, what you will get is a CO2. It will burn your your aroma, and it will taste like uh, like uh, like uh, like water for sure. And this um, this this is um, entirely uh, proven by my uh, 170 years of experience at Krug. You've been there 170 years. Yes, I have actually. His family, Michael. His family, um, Michael. Jeez. It's well, like okay, maybe, maybe this, we're this is to. one of the qualities of being a family uh, business that you uh, you always have a, a long time in uh, in your working life when you work with the previous generation. So we all inherited from what the previous generation told us. Okay, so here's here's the question that that I have then with the um, the larger the larger tulips that you're suggesting that people use, especially when drinking um, good champagne or expensive champagne or at least Krug. Uh, how long does the wine stay um, fizzy in the glass? Does it like does it go flat in a matter of minutes, or uh, does it still retain its bubbles for a little what? while? So what um, since um, since Krug is not poured in your glass for um, impressing people and being drunk and forgotten in few seconds, it is put in your glass, poured in your glass for enjoyment. So you some people might sip their glass in one minute, but some people might sip their glass little sips after little sips, and this is what happened to uh, a lot of people at Christmas time when they open one of the few bottles of Krug they open every year. You may uh, decide to sip your your, your glass of a uh, 20 minutes or 30 minutes, and um, at the end of the 30 minutes, for sure, there is still some uh, some fizziness. So maybe the, the champagne itself is not uh, uh, boiling in your glass, but for sure there is still fizziness. And if you want to to know, I've I've already uh, done the experiment of leaving a glass of Krug uh, on the table for for 24 hours, and it was still uh, still fizzy. And this is also a difference okay. between a, a great champagne and another champagne because the bubbles are much uh, smaller because they are even more integrated into um, uh, the champagne itself. Olivier, I have to be honest with you, uh, with any champagne that I've had in my glass, or be it a Krug or any other, I don't think it's lasted 30 minutes. You mean you, it's you, just you, It's just that good. Like. You, you got to drink. You got to drink. Okay, so this, this is a trick. This is a trick. You are trying to get me um, in front of you with uh, with few samples to do the experiment. <laughs> I know what you are trying to do. This is not fair. <laughs> well, I see, Michael, you're kind of torpedoing your your own argument here, though, because you've always said that you use a flute because you're worried about the wine going flat because people drink champagne <laughs> for the sensation of of the of the bubbles. And my argument has always been that. There's no bottle of, of sparkling wine you're going to put in a flute that's going to last long enough to go flat. So Olivier saying that in the glasses that are developed by Krug, even with the, the wider top, the wine will still be somewhat sparkling after a, a couple of hours. How bubbly do you want your wine? Andre, you ignorant slut. Obviously, you do not drink 
uh, proper uh, wine in any way, shape, or form. I've seen what you're using around the house. Um, I use the glasses that you gave me. (laughs) Not enough, obviously. Uh, And and not the champagne flutes for obvious reasons. Now I see. Listen, sparkling wine, to me, is a show. It's about that special glass, i.e. the flute. It's about the playfulness of the bubbles. It's about experiencing the bubbles. If I wanted a white wine, then I would open a bottle of white wine. Why am I opening a bottle of sparkling wine? Well, why would you go to a concert wearing earplugs, as uh, the fine people from Krug would say? Cause, I'm not. Well, I mean, you and I both know that uh, it's not just about the, the, the bubbles with champagne as olivier said as well like uh all champagne starts as a wine before it's it's Correct. put into bottle and and re-fermented i think, I think the, the, bubbles, the bubbles are not are not um we're not born to to please your eyes otherwise you do no, i recommend to drink the cheapest stuff if, if if you only care about the bubbles so bubbles are made to carry the aromas to your nose in a gentle, in a gentle way. This is why uh, usually when people uh, taste champagne, they don't turn around their glass because you don't need to turn your glass to get the aromas out of the great champagne. You are carried by the bubbles, and then the bubbles has a has a very very strong role to play on your on your tongue, on your palate, the way they, they explode gently in your mouth and they contribute to the to fill your your palate with all the aromas. I would believe, Olivier, that this, um, although a a wonderful talking point, I bet you're having trouble um, selling this idea worldwide. Maybe in Champagne, maybe in France this works, but I would think that the masses are more apt to go with what they've been told for years, being a, a flute then they would bring out their white wine glasses. Oh, not not for um, not for a great uh, not for a great uh, champagne. You don't find flute in great restaurants uh, anymore. You find flute in places where champagne is not perceived as um, what it should be uh, uh, a great uh, drink, a great wine. And it's amazing to see that uh, as soon as a sommelier or barmen start pouring a great champagne from a glass and not a flute and explaining people why they are doing it, it is proven that they, uh, they accelerate their sales and, and their sellout because, uh, be, because people suddenly discover that champagne is much more than a symbol. It's much more than what you should open twice or three times a year for birthday or Christmas. It's a great, great, great drink that you can have any time of the day. This is probably, uh, according to my friend sommelier, the best friend of the sommelier because it is the most versatile uh, uh, wine you have on the wine list. This is a wine that can play with uh, rich food, light food, spices, uh, different structure, crispiness. I mean, there is so much fun matching, uh, matching champagne with, with, with food. So every time you can serve champagne in the right in the right uh, glass, it is also proven that my friends and sommelier will sell more. So, uh, I, I, just to follow up a little bit on, on Michael's point, because this is something that I, I know he's correct with. I, I think even at a lot of the really great restaurants in, in Toronto that have good wine lists and 
I, I think the sommelier culture in, in Toronto is certainly uh, very educated, but uh, I, yeah. I think they have been slow to uh, adopt this change. You see, still see flutes everywhere, whether it's a very good brunch restaurant, you know, serving Prosecco, which I'm sure is like, no, is not the same thing. But um, do you think people in France have been more quickly to adopt the the change or the different idea of how to serve champagne than what people those, are expecting? Those who care about what they feel, yes, of course. So have you found that maybe it's been a little bit slower in, in North America, in the United States or Canada for people to uh, embrace a new idea? Is, um, actually, it is, it is slower um, on, um, on uh, socialite uh, behaviors around champagne. Because people still have these symbols. So if you serve champagne at a cocktail party, if you serve champagne at the beach, if you look at uh, what you find on uh, social media, you still find, uh, uh, even for great champagne sometimes, and they said you still find some fits because when people take a picture, they want to have the symbol rather than the taste. But, um, but it's, it, it, I mean, when you deal with true amateur and true professional, great sommeliers, you don't see fruits anymore. So, Olivia, you did mention something here. Um, here in, in, in Toronto, it is uh, 6 o'clock in the morning when we're recording it. What time is it there in France? It is 12, 12 a.m. It's midday. Okay. Time for lunch. The famous French yes. déjeuner. Okay, so I was going to say, you said that uh, the champagne can be served anytime. I trust you have a glass in front of you right now. No, because I'm in my desk. <laughs> oh. But from my desk, from my desk, I can see the t the testing room, and it's not very far. So right right after this, we're gonna we're gonna make you drink. Is that correct? We're gonna cause you to have yes. a drink. Yes, yes. Yeah, that's what I thought. We we drive a lot of people to the drink. I know you're the reason I drink, Michael. Andre, you're the reason I drink, and I and I'm getting I'm getting harder and harder alcohol because of you. <laughs> well, Michael, do you got anything else? Are you ready to ditch your flutes yet? No, nope. he hasn't convinced me in any way, shape, or form. Michael, if I may, I want to be to be to be to be fair and to be very very nice to to you. There is one flute which I love. And, and that, oh, there is that, a fruit fruit is, that that fruit is a musical fruit. <laughs> and if, you, if, if, if you if you have if you have someone close to you who can handle fruit beautifully well, I invite you next time you have a glass of champagne with the person you like the most to ask this musician to come and play for you, and you will see that your sip of champagne listening to the music will be even enhanced by uh, listening to the flute. You will feel even more high note, more precision, more delicacy it will be even more, more longer in your on your on your palate so do not hesitate to play the flute when you are drinking from a proper glass olivia here's what i'll do in your honor if uh if and when i i have a bottle of krug i promise that i will drink it out of a proper white wine glass until then Thank you. <laughs> uh, i will stick with my flute i mean yes i will stick with my flute I wish you the very best for very best uh, celebrations for the end of the year. Andre, I just don't know what to say. I think Riddell, Riddle, whatever they want to call themselves, is just looking for ways to make new glasses. You know, when you say that out loud, there's a certain part of me that 
can't help but uh, agree with you because it, it is one of the things that I, I do uh, really subscribe to wholeheartedly is, is keeping the um, stemware collection fairly simple. Um, you keep four types of glasses in your house. You've got the white wine glasses, the burgundy glasses, the Bordeaux glasses, and the flutes. And yes. if you go to the, the Riedel website, um, they literally have a different glass for every varietal, which, I mean, is, is great. I guess if you really love Sauvignon Blanc, the, um, I mean, the people at, at Riedel claim that these there's a lot of science that goes into into these glasses but i mean when you're talking about certain varietals or even when you're talking about about champagne like there's a lot of different styles to to deal with is it really necessary to have a wine glass for every varietal i guess that might be another critique worth taking a look at at another time it, it is and uh look uh, i understand olivier's position uh you know if it takes 25 years to make a bottle of Krug, then maybe I need Krug's glass. Unfortunately, being a wine writer, I don't drink a lot of Krug at home. Uh, yes. I mean, that is one thing and a different debate for another time. But uh, I, I know from personal experience, the few times that I've tasted Krug in terms of, of uh, champagne or sparkling wines, I've always said that if, if I had the money, I would spend it on a bottle of Krug. And I'm not just saying that because we spoke to Olivier. It's more the other way around. I reached out to him because I felt that way about Krug Champagne. I know, you, I know you're a fan of it. And, and I just, the problem that I had with, with, uh, with his debate, I guess, and, and I, had, I, had, I had written notes as, as I went through the, the, the discussion with him. You know, what we did was years ago, they used to have that coupe glass, you know, the Marie Antoinette glass. Yeah. And the whole point of that glass you know, everybody loved it and blah, blah, blah. And it took a while for that to get out of the, uh, the social consciousness. But it was that it that it ruined the bubbles. So then we moved to a champagne flute or what became the champagne flute that helps keep the bubbles, helps funnel them up. And I got his point where he says the bubbles are the part that bring the aromatics. And I thought that's, you know, perfect. That makes a better argument for why we should have the flute. But now they want to change the glass again. This is three times in a century. Uh, I mean, that's that's kind of glacial type of of change. But I mean, still, they got to decide where they want. They want the bubbles. They don't want the bubbles. I, I don't get it. Well, I mean, he said that they, they are still retaining the bubbles. He said that in the Krug glass, which uh, I understand is just it's larger than the, the French Accorta glass I described at the beginning of the, the podcast, that the wines retain their uh, their carbonation for two hours. Is it really taking you longer than two hours to go through a glass of uh, bubbly, Michael? No, it is not, Andre. But uh, I like the fact that the flute is always there, always playing with the bubbles. I don't want, look, if I want a glass of white wine, and then he said use a Chardonnay glass, which to me is that big fishbowl glass. Well, I would you, never if you in a million a... years pour a bottle of champagne into a, a, a white wine glass okay, but and, in, watch in, it, in and watch it literally unfizz in front of me. In all fairness, Michael, uh, and, and in, in fairness to uh, people who would be interested in using the same stemware that you and I use, uh, for Schottswiesel, the little the little tulips, the white wine glasses that, that you and I refer to that we use for our, our Riesling and our unoaked and our kind of bright, crisp wines, that's actually what Schottswiesel refers to as a Chardonnay glass, if you take a look at the box. Oh, boy. 
So I have a feeling he was referring to those and not a burgundy glass, or he would have said burgundy glass. Uh, either way, I'm not watching my bubbles disappear. I still am a firm believer in the flute. You can you can follow the trend all you want, Andre. I know you're a broke ass millennial. <laughs> well, hey, you know what? Here's here's one thing I thought buy was new glasses. Here, here's one thing that I thought was was really entertaining about the about the interview was uh, I'm not sure if he was insulting you or not, but then again, that's how you know you're hanging out with a uh, someone from France. Uh, at first, he it made it sound like you were drinking shitty wine. That I think he sort of in, implied that when you said that you were drinking out of those glasses, and he just said, "Well, you're just not drinking good wine then." I yeah, I caught it too. <laughs> and then um, when we were talking about the about the shift in, in terms of whether or not people are embracing the new glasses, he said that it's uh, it's in the upper echelon of society, the socialites who are. Uh, slow to adopt the new glasses, and I, I don't know. Was he maybe ta- calling you a snob? So he said you I, drink shitty wine and maybe implied that you're from the upper echelons of society, which are both uh, things that I will attest are not true. But if it's if I am in the upper, upper echelons of society, would I not be drinking it out of a proper glass as he sees it? Well, no, he said the upper echelon was slow to a- adopt the new glasses, right? He said that they've been grasping onto the, the flute as a symbol. Which is something I can definitely I, understand. But if I was a wine snob, Andre, I would I would go. Well, now I have to move oh, from no, no, the no, flute no. You, to a bigger glass. You, you mixed it up. I didn't say wine snob. I just said snob. Well, whatever makes you feel happy, Andre. <laughs> um, is there anything else you feel we need to add to this? I, I know you said that if we ever get a bottle of Krug, we're going to drink it out of the proper glass. So I feel like uh, we've made a little bit of progress in, uh, in in getting you to embrace proper stemware. No, I I promised Olivier that if I ever had a bottle of Krug, that I would try it in the stemware that he recommends. Um, everything else is going into my flute. Anything with bubbles. Because look, if Champagne wants to drop their price and make it so that it is a white wine or the prices of a of a white wine then i will happily pour it into a, a white wine glass until then and if i have to pay the exorbitant prices that champagne is then i have to go with some special uh glassware you know i think that is a, a very 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 fair point um the world is embracing more sparkling wines, um, especially here in, in Niagara. I, I know the sparkling winos have a map on their website that uh, highlights nearly, uh, it's actually fairly comprehensive. I know they, they update it, but I, I, I hate saying every because there's so many new ones popping up, but there are over 100 sparkling wines being produced in this province. And as the market begins to embrace alternatives to champagne, they're going to have no choice but to uh, look at making their wines more affordable to keep their share of the market. Uh, I don't well, but that's that's just my opinion. I don't think they will. They're they are a premium product. They know they are a premium product, uh, and that's what makes champagne champagne is that it, it is a, a premium product that uh, that people will pay that extra extra dollar for. Okay, or, but here, but here we are okay. in in 2017. What's going to happen in 15 and 20 years, uh, especially as regions like Cava, Niagara, British Columbia, California, 
Uh, there's even some great sparkling wines coming from New Zealand. I mean, these are all regions that are, 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 are hopping on the, the bubbly train. And I mean, if I can get a great bottle of sparkling from Chateau de Charme, traditional method, Trius, Henry of Pelham for less than $30, I'm becoming less and less more likely to pick up a bottle of, of, of champagne or even some of the cremants from the regions. Like these wines are made in a, in a, uh, the, the same fashion traditional method you know you are you andre are obviously not a snobby socialite no i'm definitely not a snobby socialite but that doesn't mean that i don't like krug in spite of all of this yeah in spite or despite whichever spite you want to be uh i do not think champagne will because it's always champagne like i mean it's it is the granddaddy of them all you know what i mean you can buy a new zealand sparkling wine hell you can buy one from hungary and it's you know very good sparkling wine but it's not the granddaddy and the granddaddy is champagne you're not gonna and and by the same token bordeaux is always bordeaux you can get a red blend from anywhere in the world it's not bordeaux same thing with champagne it's not champagne they put bubbles in it bubbles come in it it could take you know 10 years to make it 25 years to make it it's still not champagne well i guess we'll leave it on that high note that's not even necessarily a high note we'll just leave it on that note period i'm andre pru from andrewinereview.ca and i'm michael pinkus from michael pinkus winereview.com look i don't agree with it andre but it's just the way it is is that gonna be a new sign off wait how do we sign this off it's like six in the morning oh wait wait here he goes morning Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes.